This is the Wave Maker, Kyle Boone. And this is Shiloh. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Wrestle Life Radio. Because you're smart and cool. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Life Radio, episode 162. I'm your host this week again, Micah Sin, but I'm not alone this week. My wife, Riley, is here. Say hello, hello Riley. Hello. Oh, you didn't do my thing. That's okay. <laughs> We've got a good show for you this week. We had a great episode of AEW Dynamite. And uh, yeah, let's just get straight into it. No wrestle uh, history this week. There wasn't, honestly, like, there wasn't much that happened. It, Re- Undertaker wrestled Kurt Angle in 2000. There you go. That happened. Uh, with snakeskin pants. With snakeskin pants. The Godfather's pants. That's what happened in wrestling history today. Not a lot. We're going to jump straight into Cody Rhodes versus Pentagon opening up the show. And what did you think about this match? Um, It was okay. I mean, I was really expecting it to be amazing just because... Um, I mean, okay. Pentagon was my favorite part of this match. Yes, he I agree. he was he was so good in all of it. Um I didn't like the finish and it's not really because of the finish. It was just because of who won, honestly. Um but yeah. I mean, it was it was a good match. Yeah, I think the match was great and the finish was crap. Um I don't think Cody should have won. Spoiler alert, Cody won with a surprise roll up. We give WWE a lot of crap for that. And guess what? It happens twice on one show this week. It's happening too often. The other one made a little bit more sense than this one does. We'll talk about that later. But um, I don't think Cody should have won this. Uh, I love Pentagon. I thought he was great in this match. He showed a lot of charisma. Uh, It's the St. Patrick Day Slam this week on Dynamite. And he's standing there in his luchador mask looking great as always. And he gets the the audience all has on St. Patty's gear, and he takes like a, a leprechaun bowler hat and puts it on as like taunting at the camera. It was just really really good. I, I really like Pentagon. I think he did great in the build up of this match. I think he did great in this match, and I think Cody even did great in this match. And I understand that they're trying to protect Pentagon, but I don't think I understand Cody's lost like the last three matches he was in. But I don't think he needed to win here. I think they needed to give it to Pentagon and and get him to keep heading towards, I guess, the TNT title. Um, but, yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, Cody was a heel during this match, as always. Um, he was attacking Pentagon's limbs. He was getting angry. Uh, Cody's a heel. I don't know if you guys know that. He's a very chaotic neutral. <laughs> mm, chaotic evil, some might say. No. Uh, after the match, Pentagon did attack Cody, get a little bit of heat back on him. Uh, the Gun Club, Dustin Rhodes, they all come out to save Cody. Uh, Pentagon is taunting them as he walks out. And like as Pentagon is basically gone, QT Marshall then walks out. And he's like, oh, are you okay, Cody? And they're just all like, QT, like, I'm standing here. Like, the, the threat is gone. Thanks for the help. Yeah, they're all yelling at him like, where were you? Like, screaming at him. Yeah, I don't... I don't love... The fact they're drawing this QT Marshall thing out, I think Revolution should have been it. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, he walked out on his tag team partner. And then especially that next week whenever, you know, he didn't do anything to stop the whole attack. It's like, okay, come on now. There's yeah, got to like, be some repercussions He split this. up from Dustin at Revolution. And then the next week he's back with Lee Johnson And then they tease it even more, but, like, I thought it was pretty cut and dry at Revolution. That should have been his heel turn. That should have been it, in my opinion. But they're dragging it out, and, I don't know, maybe we'll get, like, QT versus Dustin or something, which would be a pretty good match. Maybe they're just giving him a lot of chances because he he seems like a nice guy. Maybe they're like, he's a a nice guy. He's just going through some stuff. Have you ever watched Sammy Guevara's vlogs? No. He's not a nice guy. He, He is very, very much a bully to little Fuego Del Sol. They even had a match on Dark. Uh, which unfortunately QT came out on top of. But Fuego Del Sol did hit the Tornado DDT, which is his thing. Been a, been a long-standing build. You should probably watch Sammy's vlog. It's kind of like the new BTE. It's pretty good. I might have to do that. Honestly, I like it more than BTE now that the Good Brothers are on it so much. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways, uh, we then have Alex Marvez backstage with the Young Bucks. He's talking about how Pac and Ray Phoenix still have a title shot against the Young Bucks. And Matt says that even though he may have lost his singles match against Phoenix and Nick may have lost his singles match against Phoenix, they are tag team wrestlers and they're still the best tag team in the world. Preach. Uh, Don Callis then comes out. I don't know. we got somebody to talk about later. might be the new best tag team. Uh, Don Callis then comes out 
and is being Don Callis. I mean, just a slime ball, sleazy. You know, he reminds me of Saul Goodman. I was thinking about yes. that. Yes. He's, he's he's Better Call Saul. Uh, yes. He asks them, "Oh, how is your dad doing?" And they're like, "Oh, how is your eye doing?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, that. Well, I was faking." And we're like, "Yeah, we know." He's like, "Well, I mean, did you see the tons of makeup and everything yeah. on my face?" I he mean. was like, "Yeah, but you you should have kicked me. I wanted you to kick me." I wanted you guys to be the same guys that you were in New Japan. I wanted you to have that fire, that Matt and Nick Jackson fire. Uh, he says that they aren't as good as they were in New Japan, and they may have founded this company, but he doesn't see anything elite about them, uh, which is, I mean, they're the tag team champions, so, I mean, what more can a tag team do in AEW than win the championships and defend them? So, I don't know about that. And also... I thought it was weird that he's talking about how they don't, like, kick people randomly in the face, and Alex Marvez is standing right there, who recently got kicked in the face by the Young Bucks. Yeah, but they were going through some stuff then. Yeah. They were going through They were going through some bad booking is what they were going through. (laughs) Uh, And that's really, like, tarnished my view on their title run, just how poorly that buildup was handled. I hated all of that. Um... And, like, it's, it takes away a little bit from what's going on right now. It's like, oh, they're trying to be these good guys, even though Kenny's bad. And it's like, yeah, but you're kicking people in the face, like, a month ago. Well, no, probably four months ago now. But yeah. it seems like a month ago in wrestling history. But it's a little bit different. It's kind of like they were they were upset. They were sad. And so they were going through all these emotions. And so they lashed out on their emotions, and they realized that that was wrong. Kenny Omega, on the other hand is doing all of this mess, and he realizes it's wrong, but he loves it. See, there's there's a difference. Maybe. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't like it. But anyways, we then have Jade Cargill versus the resident mean girl, Danny Jordan. Uh, this was pretty much a squash match, as it should be. Uh, I think it made Jade Cargill look like a star. She's honestly really impressed me so far. I wasn't sure how she's going to be going in. She looks so legit out there. And like, she... I mean, I hate to say it because Goldberg is so terrible now, but she's kind of like a female Goldberg. Like, back in WCW when Goldberg was, you know, not 60 years old. Um, I think if they keep booking her as a monster and just strap that rocket to her, I think she's going to be a superstar for their women's division. And I'm really looking forward to that. She's scary. She's very scary. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, Cargill obviously won. She won with her finisher. I believe she's calling it the Jaded. Um, she had a release German suplex that like threw Danny like to a ne- the next zip code. It, yeah, was, it was crazy. It was scary. Uh, after the match, uh, Cargill goes straight to Red Velvet at ringside. They're kind of prolonging that feud, which is great because it's always good to have more women's feuds that don't involve the title, build some storylines. I would like to see them in a singles match. I think it would be great. Uh, Bryce Rimsburg is trying to stand in between them, and you even pointed out how funny it was for like him to think that he can stop Jade Cargill. No, like, no, no, no. It's like she could, she could deadlift him off the ground, clean him up, and then do overhead presses. Like it looked you like know, it's with him. It so. looked like Marco stunt trying to get in front of Lance Archer. Like yeah, yeah, stop doing that. And it's like no, she's going to toss you across the ring. She's going to then deadlift you for thirty reps. And then she's going to go run 10 miles. That's what it looks like. Um, But yeah, I thought this was a pretty good segment for what it was. And I'm glad to see a little bit more of Jade Cargill. Hopefully we'll see her in an actual competitive match before too long. Uh, But not too competitive. they got to make her look strong. Uh, We then had MJF and his new group, uh, currently unnamed, coming out. Uh, what What did you think about this segment? It was too long, in my opinion. And I agree. And, yeah, I don't know if a lot of people will agree with us, but I just think it was it was so long. I just wanted him to stop talking, and it's not because I cause he's a heel. I, and he was so good on the mic, too, is a thing. I just don't know. It was just so long to me. And, like, I got it. Like, I got it whenever they, they came out. Like, I knew what happened, and then he I had to recap the whole thing. And I was like, dude... We get it. We saw everything. Um, just do like a quick recap and then introduce everybody. But um, I don't know how I feel about this whole thing yet. Um, I like all the people except for who are those people that came and then FTR. took the tag team belts in FTR. their trash. Okay, yeah, FTR. 
those are like the only two people I'm not too crazy about in this whole thing. But I'm interested to see what they do going forward. Yeah, do a little recap of basically what happened. Tully comes out and he talks for a little bit, talking about last week's attack. And he does a good job always on the mic. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, MJF then gets on the mic and he basically just talks about what happened last week. And he says that he's basically Judas. He says he's the most charismatic guy. He insults Jericho. He insulted his pecs, his hairline, yeah. uh, just general heel stuff. Uh, he said he was tired of having to deal with Jericho's comedy bullcrap and that he was plotting the whole time to start this new group. Uh, and he he's basically said that they are the top of pro wrestling. They are the pinnacle of pro wrestling. And I was like, oh, they're going to be called the pinnacle. And then they went on, and yeah, they're called the pinnacle. That's the name of the group. It's not the four horsemen. They're the pinnacle, uh, which is fine because I understand not wanting to redo old things. Um, this whole segment was very reminiscent of like an early Evolution segment, which Evolution was great. I really liked them. They were like in the prime of when I was watching wrestling uh, when I was younger. And they're, it almost was like, almost seemed like word for word for like Triple H back in the day. It definitely wasn't MJF's best promo work. Uh, he was like introducing everybody, which, I mean, we know them all. They've been wrestling for. I mean, over a, over two like a year or two in, in AEW, it's like we know them. You don't have to introduce them. I guess I get it. Yeah, it wasn't his best segment by far, but it was just kind of anticlimactic after last week. I thought we were going to get something more, and it was just a I don't know eight minute long promo. Yeah, it was it was extremely long. Um, but yeah, like you said, it wasn't MJF's best, but. I mean, he was still so good on the mic. Yeah. Like, him talking, he just seems like it's just so easy for him to talk out there. And um, he did mention something about when Chris Jericho's older or, or whatever. He still has, like, 25 years in the tank, MJF does. And whenever he is older, he's going to be the new GOAT. And Jericho's going to be um, not even relevant. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was good. It was just, it was long it was a little bit too long. Yeah, it was about as long as the podcast has been so far. <laughs> uh, and after that, we then had the Hardy Party and Sons, as I'm calling them, and uh, Jurassic Bear Country uh, in a match, which was weird, kind of. I mean, I don't, I don't like the Butcher and the Blade with with the Hardy Party personally. I don't think they fit at all. It's kind of like the Island of Misfit Toys. Like Matt Hardy's just taking all the tag teams that I guess they don't know what to do with. It just doesn't. It doesn't work for me. I don't know what what's going on. It's like can, bear, like it's like the butcher and the blade, right? Who are these like menacing, silent types? And private party, which are over the top, charismatic. And then Matt Hardy, who's a rich guy. They just don't mesh. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, but I do think it is an interesting dynamic because of the fact that Butcher and Blade are silent. Oh, and Bunny, uh, she's also silent. She's not and silent. She screams all the time, and it's super annoying. In the matches, but like, you know, in everything that you see, like the promos and everything, she's literally not talking. She's just giving this kind of stare, like she's trying to figure out figure you out, which is pretty cool. Um, but I think it's it's kind of a funny dynamic because Private Party is kind of um, comedic, or like they try and um, be funny all the time, and then the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny are like, seriously? Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely weird, for sure. Yeah, I think that Jurassic Express and Bear Country did very well in this match. Um, Private Party did pretty well. I don't, I'm not always a huge fan of their work. They've been much improved lately. Maybe that's Matt Hardy, I don't know. Uh, Bear Country did have a little bit of heat with Luchasaurus because they picked up uh, Marco stunt and oh tossed gosh. him like a lawn dart, which Luchasaurus does all the time. I don't know what. I guess he's like, that's my lawn dart. You can't throw it if I don't say so. Uh, they're both faces. It's weird that they're having a little bit of a spat, but I think they're probably leading to a little bit of a feud between them. Maybe leading up to a match, which would be pretty good. Hopefully, um, yeah. Obviously, Marco stunt took the pin. Uh, probably the right call in the situation. Uh, he it, did take two finishers. He took too. two finishers. I think it was the gin and juice. And then Matt Hardy, like, demanded twist that Mark Quinn, like, tag him in, and then he hit the twist of fate. Mm -hmm. uh, poor Marco Stunt looks like he's going to be out for months and months and months. 
Uh, yeah. Weird that he had to do two finishers. You think he just walked in and put a foot on him and, and pinned him. I don't know. I guess they're trying to protect Marco Stone a little bit. But yeah, this, this segment was fine. This match was fine. We then had what I think is one of the best pre-taped promos of all time. I cannot overstate how much I love John Moxley and Eddie Kingston together. They are pure gold. I know you're saying earlier, Young Bucks best tag team in the business. I might have a new favorite tag team. I know, I'm so excited for this. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Oh my gosh. Moxley had talked about how he had one more tag team run in him, how he wanted to go for the tag team champions uh, championship in AEW, and he wanted to originally do it with Brody. Unfortunately, obviously, that's not uh, feasible. And honestly, this is for sure the next best thing. Kingston is just, oh my gosh. I know we were all talking about we couldn't wait for him to be a babyface. He's hilarious. He's like so unintentionally hilarious. And Moxley too in this in this segment is such a I don't know the word for it. They they are so chill together and they play off of each other really well. You can tell that they've been friends for years and it's crazy to think that they were just trying to tear each other apart and murder each other. Literally like a month or two ago, they were literally trying to murder each other. And now they're, they're like, super nice and, you know, best buddies and everything. I love it so much, though. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I was looking for an example. It's, it's a good example of how AEW handles things versus WWE. In WWE, they were like, oh, John Moxley's pretty funny. Well, let's make him in these terrible, terrible comedy sketches that aren't good and that will bury his character and make him leave this millions and millions of dollar job and eventually join AEW. Whereas here, he's cutting a serious promo, and he's hilarious. He's, he, he buries talking shop a mania. Hey, they're talking about the good brothers. Uh, <laughs> and how they have googly eyes. Which one was it that he said? Talking about eyes. talking about Luke Gallows. And how it looked like... Can't um, look at him. <laughs> it looked like Forky, and um, yeah. that they, like, a little kid put googly eyes on him. And he even mocked, like, what it would look like if he had googly eyes. It was so good. So good. Uh, Eddie Kingston was talking about how this isn't the impact zone. This is AEW. This is their home. Uh, he calls the good brother cowards. And uh, it was just, it was so good. I love this segment. I don't know if they posted it on YouTube, but if you didn't watch anything this week, uh, this and the main event for sure are the segments to see. Uh, we then had a backstage segment with Dasha Gonzalez talking with Christian Cage. And believe it or not, we actually got an interview. Yep. I mean, it's amazing to see a legend come in and actually get an interview without being interrupted. Uh, that's the last time that happens on this show, spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, Dasha's there with Christian Cage, and she's asking him what brought him to AEW, basically. Uh, Cage says that when a wrestler works his butt off inside the ring more than anything else in the roster, that's called a workhorse. And Cage, and Christian Cage, it's weird saying Cage, because I keep thinking Brian Cage. I'm just going to say Christian. Uh, Christian says that he is the workhorse in professional wrestling, and people may have forgotten that over the last seven years, but he's here to quickly remind them when he steps into that ring. And there's only one spot that interests him, and that spot is occupied by Kenny Omega. Mm. He says that uh, he got to know Kenny Omega last week, and Kenny is on borrowed time, and he will for sure see him down the road. But first, he's got to rack up some wins on AEW, which I think is great. Because TNA had this problem, and people were like, oh, we got Christian Cage, now we're basically TNA. Again, Christian Cage was there when TNA was good, okay? He wasn't there when Hogan and Bischoff were there, and they changed it to a square ring, and it was terrible. He was there when TNA was on top. I I loved Christian Cage and TNA. I think it's great here that they are wanting him to actually cement himself as a single star before he builds up to Kenny Omega. And I don't know if you've all heard, but NXT will be moving to Tuesday nights after WrestleMania, which I think is about a month away. And I think the perfect first main event would be Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega for that unopposed Dynamite. Uh, really looking forward to that. I think that's probably why they're having him get a few singles wins instead of the actual reason I would do it for. And he needs to cement himself as a star before just hot shotting to the belt. But yeah, looking forward to that. I think it'll be a really good match. I thought this was a really good promo and reminded people of who Christian Cage is. And he basically said he's in here to uh, cement his legacy, and I really think he'll do that. What do you think of Christian so far? 
I think he's pretty cool, I guess. I think that... Um, I mean, to be fair, he hasn't really done anything but cut this yeah, one promo. Yeah, his his promo was good. I'll see what... Because I'm not familiar with Christian. Um, I literally started watching wrestling um, 2000 and... All Out. The first yeah, All Out. Like, yeah, it was... I mean, it's recent. So, um, he's he seems pretty cool. Um I just I don't know all about like the hype and everything yet, so I, I'm I'm just waiting to see. So you know how Cesaro is really good, and everybody says he's underutilized. Yes, and he is really good. I've seen his matches. Christian has had more of a a, a mm, what's the word? He's had more accolades than Cesaro has, right? Mm-hmm. But he's always been underutilized like Cesaro. He was in a tag team with Edge. I guess Vince thought that Edge was the real superstar. They always pushed Edge. Edge was world heavyweight champion. Christian was ECW champion. However, Christian is just one of the best in-ring workers, like in-ring minds, as Moxley said, and Christian even mentioned in this promo, uh, in, in quite a long time. So I'm excited to see what he does here. And then Christian at one point left WWE and went to TNA and did some of the best work of his career where he was actually a star there. So I think it would kind of be like if Cesaro left WWE and went to AEW, which, please, God, do that, Cesaro. We all want you. We want to see you do something. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm he's excited. He's getting a good run right now, though, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited um, to see what he can do in the ring. I know that he came back from, like, an injury. Um, yeah, he, so. he basically had to retire because he kept getting concussions. And the doctor told him, hey, you can't wrestle anymore. You've had too many concussions. Your brain can't take it. And he's basically not done anything for seven years, uh, physical like that. And his brain recovered, I guess. He said he's completely cleared. Uh, the doctor even told him, like, yeah, this is not crazy. You can do this again. So it's. I'm curious to see how he can work in the ring. I mean, obviously Sting came back, and he's 61 years old and is doing some crazy stuff, taking power bombs, stuff we never thought we would see him do again. Hitting bats through windows. Yeah, on the other hand, you also have Jake Roberts, who <laughs> almost died during, what, a, what did he get shoved at Revolution? Which one? Jake Roberts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he took a bump. Good. He's like 80 years old <laughs> he and took had a, very, a rough life. He took a very small bump and he had it took him about 10 minutes to recover from that, yes. Yeah, it was pretty sad. But yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, we then had the Good Brothers versus the best tag team in the world. Uh, what did you think about this match? I know you're a huge fan of the Good Brothers. No, 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 no. I really wish they would take them completely off of BTE. Um... I don't like that one dude that's, like, big and has... Luke Gallows. Or Doc he Gallows. Looks, he looks so oily and... Festus. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did I ever show you a, a picture of Festus? I think that you have. Yeah, it was kind of disturbing. Um, I'm going to make that our cover photo on our Facebook. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> what went wrong here. He totally went opposite of Festus and went to... Or not opposite, actually. No, he's too close to Yeah, Festus. he's... he's <laughs> but anyways, um, I thought that this was good. And, oh, my gosh. I, I loved... I loved the... Not the finish per se, but like the aftermath of the match. But um, it was a good match. I mean, I actually liked the Good Brothers in this match. I don't like them as characters, but yeah, I mean, I, I liked their in-ring work. Yeah, I also hate the Good Brothers on BTE, but I do think they're pretty good wrestlers. Uh, this was a very solid match. Kingston's coming out from the tunnel, and the Good Brothers attack him immediately. Moxley obviously doesn't come out from the tunnel. I guess it's a smart move. I mean, he's proven it now a couple times. And uh, he, like, makes a run-in with, like, his shoulder all bandaged up and, like, tries to save Kingston. But, honestly, Kingston's been, like, beat down before the match even starts. And he looked really strong in this match. Him and Moxley both. I mean, they're wore down. They're beat down before the match even begins. The Good Brothers are rearing to go. They just lost their Impact Tag Team titles to Finn Finn Juice. Finn and Juice? I don't know. I don't watch Impact. It's not good. <laughs> I think it, I don't think Finn and Juice in, is even like an Impact team. I think maybe they're New Japan. I don't know. The, the world is weird right now. The Forbidden Door is knocked down. I can't keep up with it. Uh, anyways, I guess they had a little bit a little bit to prove, so they just came out on the attack. And Kingston looked great throughout this match. Moxley looked great. Uh, I think they're so good as a tag team. I love it for them. Uh, but the match did end with another surprise roll-up. Moxley rolled up, I think it was Luke Gallows for the three count, and I think it's better in this match than it was in Pentagon versus Cody. I don't know if it's because of who it's between, 
But Pentagon and Cody was just such a good, hard-fought match, and it was so anticlimactic. This seemed like the underdog just fighting and clawing and scratching and just inching away with the win. Uh, I think it made more sense in this match, and I think it would have been okay if this was the only one on the card. However, two surprise roll-ups on one two-hour show is too many. One is too many in most situations. Uh, but John Moxley and Eddie Kingston did get the win, which is what should have happened. Uh, man, can you imagine John Moxley and Eddie Kingston as tag champs? Oh man, they're so like like Ray Phoenix and Pack, so good. John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, so good. Th- these aren't even real tag teams, right? And they're just amazing. Kenny Omega and Hangman is one of my favorite tag teams of all time, and they weren't even really a tag team when they they got together, which I guess nobody really is. But ah, uh, it's so good what AEW Unless- doing with this tag team division. You are if you're backyard wrestlers from, uh, you know, little brothers, you know, brothers growing yeah. up and everything. You're real tag team partners then. That's true. That's true. Uh, what was it? Uh, the human highlight reel, Matt Jackson and Slick Nick? Was that their, <laughs> <laughs> was that their thing? Uh, anyways, after the match, the good brothers uh, begin to just decimate John Moxley. They throw Kingston out. Uh, Kenny Omega's music hits, and he, like, struts out, dancing to his music, looking like a giant dork. I loved it. Oh, my gosh. I loved this part so much. I don't care what anybody says. This was... She doesn't care what anybody says, Carol. Nobody. Nobody anywhere can tell me any different, but Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world, and he proved it just by that little dance that came... Whenever he came out of the tunnel... Okay, I'm done. It was really good. He has a chair. And uh, thinking, I'm thinking he's about to beat down Moxie with the chair, which is like, man, he's just like, just just trying to break this poor man. He's about to have a child. Uh, <laughs> but then he sits down in front of Moxley, and as soon as he does, Kingston just rushes in like a bull and spears him off of his chair. He he just starts beating on Kenny Omega. The Good Brothers pull him off. They hit Kingston with a magic killer. Uh, Omega then gets the chair back. He puts it around Kingston's ankle, and they. Kayfabe break his ankle, I guess. I don't know if he actually broke his ankle, but he was selling it like they did. Uh, they then go to Moxley and put the chair on his neck. Yes. Like they're going to kill him, like they're Kane and it was very, It was very reminiscent of um, Randy Orton and Edge whenever Edge came back, and then that's what it made me think of. Yeah, yeah for real. Yeah. Uh, Omega then like yells for Carl Anderson to go up to the top rope and jump off onto... The chair to kill John Moxley. Um, Omega's like yelling, and the Young Bucks come in and make the save. And they're berating Omega, saying, "No, no, you can't do this. You can't. This will kill him. This is murder. You're on TV. <laughs> don't do this. You'll go to jail. You're our champion. That's bad for business." Uh, I don't know if that's what they're yelling, but that's what they. I would be yelling. <laughs> uh, Omega is being a crazy person. He's really upset. Uh, just selling his psychotic persona. Uh, I thought this was a really good segment, I guess, of Omega like really showing how crazy and how much he's devolving. Commentary was putting that over. He has lost sense of reality. It is amazing to watch. It would be more impactful if the Young Bucks weren't heels like three months ago. But they weren't heels. I've already explained. They were going through a rough patch. With would it be okay if I were just walking around kicking people in the face? Like, no, it wouldn't be. I would be considered a bad person. No, but you would understand that it's bad, and then you would change. Yeah, I'd also go to prison. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the, uh, the the Good Brothers are basically the whole time just holding up the too sweet. Like, yeah, guys, come on. Let's do this too sweet thing. Let's do it. I don't, I don't get it. Um, Omega's, like, arguing with Matt. And Nick is kind of just doing what Nick does and, and lazily staring at him. <laughs> uh, and and then uh, Omega holds up the two-sweet sign. He's got the shirt on that has all their hands in on the two-sweet. And Nick basically pulls Matt away. He's like, you know what, man? No. And they leave. Uh, as Matt is leaving, Omega pulls him back, almost like looking like he's about to attack him. And is just berating him. And I guess we're seeing a, uh, a, fall, a fall apart here between the elite, the, the super elite, the, the, the elite bullet club. I don't know what they're, what they're called this iteration. I don't know, but I love that part. It really made me feel something whenever, like, Kenny Omega took 
them back and um, it looked like he was going to hit him, um, hit the Young Bucks. It just, it was, I mean, I just, it was just emotional. I was like, oh my gosh, like these people have been together for so long and then um, this is happening. Like, I mean, this was, this is a big deal. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, curious to see where it goes. I hope it's not a Young Bucks heel turn again. Uh, I don't think that will really work. I think that they're turning even more face, some might say. That's what they should do. <laughs> what they should do. Standing up to bullies and peer pressure. I don't know where that leaves Kenny Omega, though. Because I don't know how this whole... I mean, Rebellion, Kenny Omega's going to wrestle for the Impact title. He's probably going to win it, right? He's just going to have the Good Brothers. There's just going to be Kenny and the Good Brothers, I guess. Mm. I don't know. Oh, you forgot um, that Uncle Pervert. Uncle Creepy. Yeah, Uncle Creepy. Uncle Creepy. <laughs> Uh, but all of this jawing back and forth did give Moxley enough time to recover. He grabs the chair and starts swinging it wildly. It was hilarious. He runs everybody out of the ring. He's still swinging. Uh, it looked really good. Uh, Kingston's on the floor, and he's yelling, Get me in there! Get me in there with Mox! His ankle's not working, so he's, like, asking them to roll him in. It just, it looked so good for Kingston. He looks so hardcore. I love all of this. That was so good. Then we had Tony Schiavone on the stage introducing the TNT champion, Darby Allen and Sting. Uh, it's a Sting segment, so guess what? Yeah, he's talking to Darby Allen. He asked him about the street, street fight. He says that Darby Allen's been champion for a long time. And Darby's like, yeah, you know how many times I defended my title? Three times. And everybody's like, they pipe in fake cheers. And he's like, no, don't cheer for that, which is weird. Did you notice that? I guess because the little fake crowd there was doing it. Uh, he's like, it's a joke. I want to defend it every single week, which is great because I want to see him defend it every single week. And he says he wants to pay tribute to the best TNT champion. Uh, they get some Brody chants, which is cool. And he says, you know what? This is a challenge. Any Dark Order member that wants to come out and challenge me for the TNT title, it's an open challenge, which is great. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, but then guess, guess what? They get interrupted. Lance Archer comes out. And he, he asked, he's like, how many times are you going to get interviewed by Tony? Which is kind of funny. And uh, he calls Darby Allen an indie-rific joke. He says, you know what, boy, if you like coughing so much, how about I put you in one? Which is, it's an okay line. I thought he did pretty good here. Uh, then Jake the Snake gets the, the, the mic, and he turns his attention to Sting, and said that he better not play with fire, that Archer's the baddest son of a gun in the business, and he says the winds in AEW are changing, and they better pay attention. And then guess what? They get interrupted, and Team Taz comes out. Like, oh my god, what are we doing here? <sighs> it's, it's it's too become, much. It's become a thing, though, now. They had to keep doing it, because now it's become a thing. I hate it. It's inexcusable. <laughs> it should not be It's like once much. Sting comes out, we know he's going to get interrupted. So who? Who will it be? Sting didn't even who? talk. He didn't even talk in this entire segment. That's the point. I think, okay, here's what I think. I think that Sting comes out. They're getting viewers they're not. in the Sting spot. Well, let's just say that they think that they are. I but mean, they're not. They, but do you know that? Like, are they... I do know that. The views have not went up since they've been advertising these stings, this Sting stuff. Okay, The views well, are stagnant. They, went, okay. they were down this week. Well, I thought, well, maybe the viewers would go up in the Sting spots, so they're trying to highlight different wrestlers. While people are watching, that's what I was thinking. But if it's huge, not happening, then that's not... I'm a huge Sting fan, and I look forward to his segments the least. Because they're so predictable, and they're the same stuff every single week. It's ridiculous. If, if WWE were doing this, we would be burying them so hard. It's, it's dumb. It's inexcusable. They've got to do something. However, going back to Team Taz, something a little bit different... Team Taz comes out, and Brian Cage takes the mic. We don't have to listen to, to Taz say Dobby a hundred times. Uh, Brian Cage basically gets in Sting's face, and he says, You know what, Stinger? I've got something to say. He says, You show up here, you show up like some hot shot, you stick your nose in people's business, and i got one thing to say, say to you. I respect you. And he's like, You know what? Uh, Ricky Starks was wrong. You are still the icon. You're one of the best in the business. I respect you with or without the bat. You're still the same sting that you've always been. And Taz is over there, like, melting down. Everybody is. Yeah, they're like, what? What? You can't can't put over the competition here, dude. And Brian Cage is like, what? 
what? It's true. And then he just, like, pushes past him because he's ridiculous and goes to the back. So are we pushing for a Brian Cage face turn? How do you feel about that? I think that would be cool. First of all, I don't think that Will Hobbs should have ever turned heel. Agreed. So I'm surprised that they're pushing it with Brian Cage and not Will Hobbs. I guess maybe because it was a recent change for Will and Brian Cage came in as a heel. But um, I, I don't know. Like I'm hoping, I'm I'm hoping it's good because I really like Brian Cage and I think that it would be like, it would be funny to see him as a face because he's just so jacked. Like I I think. It'd be like an adorable like face character, even though he's a, it, it's gonna be different. Yeah, but it it would be weird seeing him as a face. I guess most of their big guys are heels. Um, you've got Lance Archer, the Butcher, uh, Will Hobbs now. Who would they have as a good guy that's a face? Luchasaurus, Luchasaurus I guess, but he doesn't wrestle yeah. like a big guy. I guess that's really it. So it makes sense for them wanting to make a big guy uh, an, into a face, but I don't know that Brian Cage is the right choice. He'll. It seems weird for him to be a face. I would love to see Brian Cage in a tag team with Marco Stunt. I think that would be funny. I think they should <laughs> yeah. do something like that. I, I think I think it'll be um, it'll be good. And to to add to this, I know you said that nothing important happened to you um, this day in wrestling history, mm-hmm. but I saw, I think it was today, AEW posted that one year ago today, Brody Lee and well, Matt right. Hardy made their debut in AEW, and I thought that was really important because of, you know, Darby saying that he wanted to pay tribute to the best TNT champion, Brody Lee, and that really got me. Like, <laughs> whenever I saw that, um, saw, saw that on Facebook with AEW posting that, I can't believe that was a year ago, and I can't believe he was in AEW for less than a year before he passed. But, um, but yeah, that happened a year ago today. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, super sad that we didn't get Brody for any longer than we did, but, man, what a run he had for sure. And uh, Matt Hardy joining that night as well. Super, like, double, double whammy. It was a really, really good show. I think that was the first really good show we had in the pandemic, right? Yeah, it kind of like raised hopes. I think. Yeah, I think it really um, did. It was very, it was a very positive show in that we could see light in the darkness of what was COVID nineteen. Here we are a year later. Yeah, still in it, but uh, vaccines it's better. and everything. And it's better. Yeah. They're talking about having twenty five thousand people per night at WrestleMania, uh, which is about the same as the Super Bowl, and it looks like they're gonna be able to do it fairly safely. I mean, it's a huge place. It's like twenty five percent capacity, I think. Um, so it's slowly becoming normal again. So, anyways, this is not a COVID podcast. This is a wrestling <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about Brian K turning face, but we'll see where it goes. Maybe he doesn't turn face. Maybe it just builds some tension between him and Taz. Uh, we then had a Scorpio Sky video package saying that he's done everything he needs to do to become the face of the company, and yet nice guys finish last. That's why his actions last week happened. Uh, he's not going to let himself become somebody else's stepping stone, and he have to, if he has to hurt somebody else to do it, so be it. I'm not sure about Scorpio Sky as a, as a, as a heel either. Yeah, I'm, I'm also, like, teeter-tottering between do I like it, do I not like it? Because I loved him with SCU. Like, I loved him as a face with SCU. Um, their banter and everything, especially on BTE, it, it was really it was really nice. So it's going to be, a, I, I like him as a heel, too, but I don't know which one I like better. Um, I will just see how, what they do next with him. Yeah, I guess the only real exposure I have to him as a heel is that commentary spot the week before he actually turned heel, and I thought that was kind of bad, I guess because he was supposed to be a face and he was acting cocky and self-absorbed. He's very chauvinistic. Yeah. I don't know, maybe we'll see a couple more dimensions to his character. I think that would be really good. Um, we then had Angelico versus Ray Phoenix. Is it pronounced Angelico? I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. All I know is it wasn't Jack Evans, so it's okay with me. Yeah. I think this is a really good match. It uh, yeah. it was exactly what it needed to be. It was Ray Phoenix going over with a sit-out pile driver, which looked great. Uh, a lot of submission holds, as you would expect with Angelico, Angelico. Uh, not Jack Evans Uh, yeah I thought this was really good we've been seeing more and more of not Jack Evans in uh, singles competition and 
I think that's probably for the best. I I don't like I hate to crap on somebody, but I'm just not a Jack Evans fan, man. On Dark this week, we had Ten versus Jack Evans. Jack Evans ended up busting Ten's lip, which looked great because he's got a white mask. He's just pouring blood everywhere. Uh, it was almost the bloodiest spot of the week, but yeah, just tune in for a little bit later. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was not a very good match. Uh, not nearly as bad as Luchasaurus versus Cesar Bononi, which had one of the worst wrestling spots I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it was so bad. They took down Dark, which I don't know why they didn't edit it out in the first place. They took it down and edited it out because it was so bad. Oh man, Cesar Bononi is probably the worst... Matthew was saying this earlier this week. He's probably the worst nationally televised wrestler, and it's sad to say, but I've never seen him in a good match. Uh, just, it's it's sad. He's been wrestling for a long time, too, and I don't get it. But yeah, uh, Ray Phoenix wins. Everybody's happy. Pack cheers with him. Uh, then we have the first ever lights out match on dynamite not only that but the first ever female-led main event of the evening i was really looking forward to this match and i was hoping that they would deliver Riley, do you think they delivered they delivered they delivered way more than i was even like wanting them to deliver like this this was awesome yeah, I don't know if Dave Meltzer has rated this match yet, but it's five stars. Like, this is a five-star match. It is the best... Is it the best hardcore match AEW's had? Does this top out John Moxley versus Kenny Omega, the first one? I love that match. I really love that match. That was so good, It was though. really good. <laughs> I think it, it was different. It was... I think this I liked was, it better. I think I, I think, did. Well, that's awesome, because I, I think my feelings for this one were... I was more invested in this match mainly because, and I'm, I'm, as a woman, I just, I think, like, it was, I was so proud of them, like, I I don't know them, but I was just proud. It was so awesome in that moment for them to have a main event on live television and to do this awesome, tough, unsanctioned, no disqualification match where they're taking like super crazy bumps and Britt took doing... most of the crazy bumps which hats off to her she got so much shine in this match it was it was everybody like Mick Foley is came out and saying how good her and Rosa did uh, all of the hardcore legend it's it was astonishing to see what I mean and Britt Baker had to go to work the next day yeah like, that's the thing is like oh we're well, just gonna go into the dentist office tomorrow like clean uh check people's teeth out you know she took them. uh she took a spot on like the shoulder where Thunder Rosa had her up on her shoulders on the turnbuckle and then threw Britt's shoulder directly into the ladder that was set up on the ropes. That looked super brutal. Uh, there were table spots. Uh, Britt superplexed Thunder Rosa onto a pile of chairs. She curb stomped her onto the stairs outside. Uh, and curb, curb stomped her on, on a chair. chair. She mm-hmm. DDT'd her to a chair. And then, out come the thumbtacks. Like, what? A lot of thumbtacks. You a thought lot. it was teeth. You thought it was going to be teeth to begin with. I was it would have like, been hilarious. I was like, oh my but gosh, what if it's teeth? <laughs> yeah, it would have been less impactful, but really funny. Uh, I did not expect thumbtacks in this match. I expected some table spots, maybe a few uh, crutch spots by Rebel. Rebel went through a table. She got involved a couple times, and Thunder Rosa had enough, put her through a table. This match is, it's a contender for match of the year. It really is. Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega like opened the year, so it's really hard to top that. But this is way better than the Exploding Barbed Wire match, right? Which is the yeah. main event of the last pay-per-view. This was so good. It was just so good. And um, the end, what's Thunder Rosa's finisher? What's it called? I have no idea what it's called. It's so I'm cool. It's sure like a tombstone, her... but like on the side. Like a pile driver thing? Yeah, it's like a... I'm not too familiar with wrestling. Oh, it's yet. a thunder driver. Thunder driver. That's thunder what it's driver. called. Okay. So um, she did that through the table on the outside of the ring, um, and that's what won it. Um, she, yeah, Thunder Rosa she went, went over. over in this match. And it was so awesome because she was crying after that, and I think legitimate tears, like it wasn't, you know, 
I would have been crying 15 minutes ago. I mean, but I mean, it's it was such a powerful thing because um, she was saying that um, she wanted to put women's wrestling on the map, and that um, it was it was just it was really awesome. And I'm gonna say it one more time, but just as a woman, like it, I got emotional at the end because. It was such a hard-fought, tough match, and they really, like, showed up and showed out. It was it was really, really great. And they did that without a crowd. Like, I mean, they had a crowd, I guess. Yeah, this is a taped show. There but weren't it wasn't, people there. It, there weren't any people. Yeah, it's, and that was just amazing to me. And it wasn't, like, edited. I didn't see a single edit in the whole match. Nothing seemed out of place. I'm not saying they didn't, but I didn't see an edit. I don't think they would have done that. Oh, and, um, Micah, you mentioned Outcome the Thumbtacks, but who went... On the thumbtacks. It was Britt Baker. Baker. If you set up the table, you're getting put through yeah, it. Yeah, and Thunder Rosa took her and powerbombed her right onto the thumbtacks. She powerbombed her right onto the like, thumbtacks. But not only that, after that, Britt Baker comes back with a thrust kick and puts Thunder Rosa into the lockjaw in the thumbtacks. Thunder Rosa then counters it by rolling Britt's back back onto the thumbtacks Tries to get a pin, but Thunder Rosa can't even deal with the pain of the thumbtacks herself. It was, oh my gosh, the spots in this match were so good. I loved it. I loved all of it. This is the best women's match I've ever seen. This is the best women's match in history, and this is one of the best matches of the year. Um, Tony Khan said after the match that he thinks this is the best effing match of the year. I think he, he was telling <laughs> Britt Baker, he's like, yeah, this is like d- definitely like match of the year, show of the year contender. This was so great. Thank you so much. It was so funny seeing him say that. Um... And Britt's just like, ow, I have thumbtacks on my back. <laughs> yeah, I can't. The whole time I was cringing, but I was like, oh my gosh. I would like to think that I could go through something like that. But, I couldn't. But, like, they chose to do that. And and Britt chose every spot she took. I mean, like, she chose to do that. Yeah. You know, like, she, she was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Like, I, I, and let's do it in front of, like, nobody. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it's just really We didn't even awesome. mention yet. So remember way back when uh, Atlanta shows were a thing, when they were doing the Atlanta recordings. They recorded like nine weeks of shows in two days or something like that. And we had Karushita versus Britt Baker where Karushita broke her nose, right? Yeah. Um, or dislocated her nose or did whatever. And she, you had that awesome shot where Britt's bleeding, smiling at the camera. So Britt bladed in this match. Thunder Rosa bladed as well. And Thunder Rosa bladed first. Uh, after the curb stomp onto the stairs, right? Diamond-plated stairs. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a great blade job. She's like super bloody. And then out comes apparently Brittany Rhodes because, oh my gosh, I guess Dustin taught her how to blade. She, She apparently like hit all the blood vessels in her forehead. She's bleeding as much as I've ever seen anybody. Like straight up Nature Boy Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Great Muda, uh, this was one of the best crimson masks I've ever seen, and she got those spots again where she knew where to look in the camera. She's so she's a star. She really is. She looked right into the camera. She she has that devilish smirk on her face, and like those are star moments. You talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think it was Stone Cold Steve Austin, and was it Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart that had that match where Steve Austin gets the the great crimson mask. And that, that moment was on the opening of Raw for, like, ten years. That was Stone Cold's, like, star-making moment. And I think Brits really was that first moment with Akarushita, but even more so this match. This is a match that's going to be talked about for a really long time. And what a great way to end this show. What a great way to main event the first-ever women's main event of Dynamite. And this will be the first of many to go forward. This all of the crap people give AEW's women's division, and honestly, it's booked very poorly sometimes. This, you can never say that AEW's women's, women can't wrestle, and they can't put on a good match. Because this right there is, is, a, is a pure line to just point out and say, hey, what about this one? So, I think this was great. I loved it. Uh, like, I, overall, I thought this show was average, right? I think it kind of ran long, and sometimes it was, it was segment-heavy. The segments were really good. The matches were solid. But, man, this match. Like, I think if I were to grade this show, I would have probably given this show a B. But after this match, it gets an A. This match was that good. I loved it. 
The only other women's match I can think that comes close that I've seen was Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks at Hell in a Cell. was really good. Um, everybody points to uh, NXT TakeOver, Sasha versus Bayley. I personally wasn't watching wrestling at that time. I've watched it back, but it doesn't really have as much impact on me. I'm not like a technical wrestling fan. I'm a story guy. I'm a an emotions guy. Like I want to feel something when I'm watching wrestling. And I felt a lot of stuff watching this match. I thought it was just so good. But uh, what did you what did you think about the show overall? Um, overall, I thought it was really good. Um, there obviously were some low points, but I liked the segments that they did. Um, besides the NJF one, that just went a little bit too long. It was still really good, and. The whole sting thing with being interrupted, that was interesting. And I also think that him coming out, talking, and getting interrupted is better than him coming out and then leaving. Like, staring at things and then leaving. Um, I think it's No, become, that's what I want. I want that for <laughs> I think it's kind of become this, like, joke of a thing that he comes out and every time he comes out, he gets interrupted. I mean... Anyways. Maybe Tony Khan was listening to the podcast when we said, hey, you're having Sting talk too much. And he's like, you know what? Fine. I'll promote his segment, and he still won't talk. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, no. There's always going to be somebody unhappy with something. But anyways, I, I mean, I, it was so good. I'm going to give it an A. And um, I loved the main event. I loved that it was main evented by women and that they did so well like it was it was just so powerful and so good I loved it so much and I can't um state that enough um but yeah I give it an A yeah I think we're in agreement on that uh but that has been episode 162 do you want to pimp any of your social media before we sign off um I think my twitter is at rybugsen r-i-b-u-g-s-e-n-n um and I'm Pretty sure my Instagram is at Riley Cheyenne, which is R I L E Y Y S H Y A N N E. So you guys can follow me there. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio, Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. This has been your show for the week. Thanks for tuning in with us, and have a great rest of your week. Bye. <laughs>